From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Well, did you do anything else besides watch a couple football games this weekend? Not a whole lot going around around the Crane household. I did get a chance to watch some stuff on TV about the two deaths that kind of happened, the, the most famous, not the two, but two famous ones here, here since our last show. Uh, Hank Aaron, I grew mm-hmm. up a Braves fan, you know, watching them in the 80s and 90s, mainly same reason as you. Uh, they came on during the daytime, daytime uh, TBS. hours. TBS and WGM covered the Cubs and TBS was the Braves. But, uh, you know, Hank Aaron was just an amazing – he was the home run guy at that time. Well, he was the home run leader. He was the home run leader at that time. But he was the guy that you might talk about, Hank Aaron, when you hit a home run or something like that, when you play around, goof off with your buddies or something like that. So just an awesome uh, individual, uh, a lot of the different things. Saw some documentaries about, you know, the, the color barrier, you know, still being a, a factor uh, in his play and, and his life. But definitely somebody, somebody that was as classy and Atlanta brave as you're going to find. I remember, you know, watching a lot of the highlights. Of course, I was too young to watch him actually play. But I did grow up a Braves fan uh, until they got rid of Del Murphy, and therefore I disowned him after that. But up to that point, uh, I remember watching. And remember how crazy it was when he broke the record and people came on the field Two shaking guys, his yeah. hands, patting him on the back as he's running the bases. Right. I mean, can you imagine what would happen to those people today? Well, there's no there's no fans in the stands anymore. Oh, true. This, <laughs> so, this year it'd just be silence. Right, it'd be nothing but it'd just be you know, <laughs> did it really even happen type situation. And then the other death of the weekend, again, not the death, but most famous, uh, Larry King, uh, Derek, which he you know again kind of our generation uh, grew up with him my grandparents watched him a lot my mom and dad of course you know never forget, forget the suspenders and mm-hmm. sitting there interviewing uh Derek I saw that over the weekend 60,000 interviews it's a lot of interviews yeah so I think you and I aren't about we're probably still single digits for number of interviews you and, and I this done. is just our 45th show period <laughs> exactly it's our 45th show period uh we've we've interviewed uh, I guess the, the the HHS counselors would count as three for me. So oh, there, there you go. go. There, there you go. go. See, I can okay. count that way. But so 60,000 interviews that he sat down and did with – has done in his career and stuff like that. And I was watching something about it. He, he was a very good interviewer. Uh, he was somebody that people like to talk to and, and, and visit with. And that was kind of his calling card was the um, making people feel comfortable and, and, and open up to him. So, I mean, I remember Larry King was as big on CNN when I was uh, younger as anybody. Remember watching younger uh, interviews to people, and of course, there's a lot of you know controversial ones he'd have. Uh, and he usually had you know people that were on topic. If they were you know being you know railed in the public or whatever, that he'd bring them on there sure. and ask them the tough questions. He did a real good job. I always enjoyed watching him. I guess as younger though, it wasn't. I mean, if you didn't understand if if he was asking the tough questions or trying to trip them up or something like that, it, it could be kind of boring, you know, because it was not sure. there was not a lot of decorations or right. graphics or anything right. like that. It was just, I mean, straight to the point, straight talk. That was it. Go to commercial, come back, get it finished. Uh, but now, now looking back on it, what we're doing, you know, what we do with our podcast, I can really respect it. And uh, you know, just it, it's a it's a sad loss. Well, it's not a lot of bells and whistles. Right. I mean, two guys sitting across from each other. He smoked on the air up until a certain <laughs> point, you know, and, and again had the suspenders. Eight, I think, eight wives. I think it was eight wives okay. that he had. Eight wives, all younger than him. So. Uh, Larry King was, <laughs> I don't know what Larry was doing, but uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, but that part of it, I, but, I thought yeah. one of the neat ones I saw was he interviewed Reagan and he interviewed yeah. Reagan and asked him the question, you know, does it get frustrating to, to start to forget things? Yeah. And that was the beginning of, of that. I was say he asked questions. Then again, of course, with the smoking, you now would have to put a label on there. Absolutely. Uh, you'd have to say, warning, graphic smoking. Exactly. Can you imagine that? Warning, uh, host may smoke yeah. during this. Yeah. I mean, basically, he just 
Disney to stay in his house and, and just smoke there. Speaking of houses, the podcast brought to you each and every Tuesday and Friday morning by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group is the number one real estate team in DeSoto County. 25,000 closings since 2009. That's 25,000 closings on the buying or selling side of residential real estate. Over 63 years of combined real estate experience, they've been the number one team for well over a decade right here in DeSoto County. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they're available to you when you need them. They've been voted DeSoto's best realtor multiple times. They're ranked nationally as a top-performing real estate team. If you're looking to buy or sell a house here in the Mid-South, please consider using Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can find them at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Thank you to Brian and Terry for continuing to be our presenting sponsor of the UTW Podcast. Podcast recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday morning at the How to Barbecue Right Studios, located right here in Hernando. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or a high-end smoker, How to Barbecue Right Shop, located just past Connection Gymnastics. That's just past Connection Gymnastics. If you've seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by and see his shop. Give them a call at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. With the Super Bowl coming up, just a simple reminder that they have dip mixes, pickles, hot sauces. Be sure and stop by there the Saturday before the Super Bowl to get everything you need to cook wings and ribs for the Super Bowl Sunday, February 7th. Sunday's February 7th, the Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Make sure and stop by there the Saturday before to get everything you need to cook wings and ribs. Well, Matt, we're going to start with the news this week. We're going to start in Hernando and wanted to uh, just, I guess, congratulate somebody. Gia Matheny, who is the economic director for the city of Hernando, basically focuses on government and public relations and grant writing for the city. She's been named to the Excel by Five board for the state of Mississippi. The Excel by Five uh, is a, I guess, a nonprofit that was put together several years ago by a, a teacher and her husband through a wonderful grant by Chevron at the time to start a program to tr- basically focus on kids zero through five. So the development, how important it is, reading, parent involvement, teacher involvement uh, for children uh, ages zero through five to get them you know, started on their way to an early success in life and you know, to really uh, help them later on. Uh, so Gia has been named to this board. It's a statewide appointment. And we just really want to you know, let her know that you know, we appreciate all that she does for a community. I mean, she's been involved with the Water Tower 10K. She is the one that helps head the farmer's market in Hernando, which now other cities are trying to copy. Uh, and then she does several other things. She's on the Interfaith Council, Optimist Club, Hernando Chamber, et cetera. So just a, a wonderful woman who does a wonderful things and a wonderful ambassador for the city of Hernando. Really uh, excited that she's been appointed to this uh, board. Something else she does is if you've ever watched the Alderman meeting, she's the person that controls the computer, controls the recording, the live stream and stuff like that so just an asset to the community congratulations to her uh, anytime somebody in Hernando uh, has the opportunity to be on a, a nonprofit board of that size I think that's pretty neat and congratulations to her she's gonna do a wonderful job for them just like she does a wonderful job for the city of Hernando speaking of the city of Hernando Derek just before we turn our attention to some more county stuff you and I talked a little bit off air Hernando's turned into a bit of a sign city uh, a lot of signs have begun to kind of pop up and and, and get going whether it be uh you know, large signs, four by eight signs, or maybe even yard signs kind of all around the, the city and stuff. I, I noticed a number of new signs here in the last uh, week or so. Yeah, this is a, a campaign season, I guess, has officially started. Uh, technically, of course, they have to the 5th to sign up, whatever race you want to run, alderman, mayor, 
uh, Alderman at Large, the different wards and, and that sort of thing. And I bring that up because there is a sign ordinance that you and I have talked about in the past. Yeah, according to, you know, the city does have a sign ordinance. Um, it has been followed for several years. This year, that seemed to kind of went out, go out the window. Uh, there have been some signs up since as early as Halloween, around Halloween. Pretty much everybody that has declared, there are a couple candidates uh, that have not put signs out yet. Uh, they've chosen to wait uh, until the... I guess specified time or as close to you know sixty days out as possible. Now some people that have been out there for months now and or weeks, you know they may have a leg up in some of the advertising that sort of thing. But you know I, I think this is something I know that the city tried to look at it a couple times. Correct. Uh, it was on the agenda uh, on the alderman agenda twice. Uh, unfortunately, both times it was basically removed from the agenda because of sad aspects that happened outside of the meeting. Uh, that related to people in the city. And so it did not come back up. Of course, now you're, the next Alderman meeting basically uh, is next week, the second. And so that will be the same week that signs you know, should have started going out. So it's kind of a moot point now. But I think that this is something that the new board needs to look at. Maybe if not this spring, definitely with the, when the new board put into place as to, you know, what are we going to do about signs? How are we going to look at this? Because I don't, you know, as a resident, I don't want to see signs out for three four, six months. At the, you know, at the same time, of course, when the election's over, I believe the ordinance says to have them down within 10 days. I hope that's followed. Uh, but again, this is something I think, you know, we talked about the noise last time. You know, we mentioned the noise, the complaint was at the Alderman meeting last Tuesday in Hernando about how that probably needs to be looked at. This is probably something else that needs to be, you know, kind of attacked by the new board. Well, it's, I mean, the, the ordinance already exists. The ordinance already exists. It needs exists. to be enforced. Exactly. The ordinance already exists. Uh, you know, again, I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, Derek, you and I look at different things, different topics to kind of talk about about the uh, on our podcast, on our show. And that's something I've noticed. Uh, dozens of, you know, just a simple ride from our house to Kroger. I mean, dozens of signs and stuff. And it's perffectly fine. It is political season. I do get that. However, you and I do know that some different candidates are abiding by that ordinance. And that's what they're doing is waiting for that 60-day period. That seems to have kind of jumped well, the gun. And I think that others would have abided. but. Correct. Correct, you yes. see your competition, sure. your competitor jumping out there and right. throwing out 20, 50 signs, sure. and you immediately think, okay, I can't let his name, especially if the seat is uh, doesn't have an incumbent. Correct. If it's you know if it's a wide open seat, that's very tough to let somebody get a two or three week head start on your advertising right. and on your marketing for your name and, and getting it out there. So I understand people you know trying to follow it. You know I, I do not want to see it where you know months at a time there's signs everywhere. I don't think anybody does. And again, this is something that needs to be looked at. Hopefully, it's taken up by the new board and the ordinance that is in place. Correct. Uh, will be enforced here going forward. Man, the number of signs that people put out on election. Day, man, the, the signs. You know, when you're driving into the uh, the polling place and stuff like that, and they got people. I mean, they almost jump on your car to uh, wave their sign in front of you. It's pretty, oh, well, pretty I mean, look, sign companies get very excited uh, <laughs> every fourth year sure. around here, uh, kind of like television stations do every right. fourth year for a presidential election or a statewide election. They, they, they're doing very well right now. Yeah, no doubt. And look, we're looking forward to the elections coming up in the Hernando area. Uh, we've talked about that in a couple of other podcasts of what we're going to do there. Uh, hope to have an opportunity to interview all the candidates for each alderman spot. Certainly the mayoral candidates will be um, reached out to and, and given the opportunity to come on our podcast, which we can, you know, definitely continues to grow in the Hernando area. So we'll be, so candidates, please be looking for that, whether it be emails. If you have any interest in reaching out to us, email us at under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com when it comes to that type of stuff. Let's go out a little bit wider, Derek. Get out of Hernando countywide. We talked about it last week. We talked about how excited uh, Darren Musselwhite was in South Haven about moving from the Hernando uh, Health Department to the Lander Center parking lot. I drove past there twice yesterday. Uh, lines were, were good. Uh, things seemed to be moving pretty well and seemed to be sticking them in the arm. Stick them in the arm. <laughs> 
Uh, the state-run COVID-19 vaccination site uh, in DeSoto County was moved to the Lander Center yesterday. It started Monday, January 25th. And so people who have a vaccination appointment will need to go to the Lander Center located at 4560 Venture Drive in South Haven in order to get their vaccinations now. And the supervisors have been working for weeks uh, with the state legislatures, uh, the governor, and the state health department to get more vaccinations to DeSoto County. I mean, it's not, you know, we are you know, one of the top two counties uh, population size in the state. And so they said, hey, look, you know, if you really want to quell this, especially with the issues around Memphis and the, you know, the, our, how high our numbers have been, of course, we've been under mass mandate for you know, many months now, whereas other counties have not. You know, the move to the Lanner Center is the first big step to try to get that done. The space that the one in Hernando, I mean, well, we're in Hernando, we love Hernando, but it, it was only getting about 200 today, Matt. And, we, and we, you know, we need to get it up to that thousand number that Darren Musselwhite talked about last week. You know, so that's the first step to get that done. They want to make sure that everyone who wants a vaccination is able to get one in a timely manner. The Mississippi Department of Health will text and or email people who are already made appointments. So if you've already made your appointment, let's say you're supposed to go to the health center this Wednesday. Sure. They should be contacting you, or hopefully you've already been contacted, telling you to go to the Lander Center. Go to 4560 Venture Drive in South Haven and make sure to get that. Appointments, if you're now looking to make your appointment or you need to schedule your second appointment for some reason if you didn't get done the first time, uh, they can be made online at covidvaccine.umc.edu. That's covidvaccine.umc.edu or by calling 877-978-6453. 877-978-6453. Man, I think it's a great move and, and looking forward to hopefully getting mine here in the next few weeks. It's definitely a good move. Anytime you can go from 200 things to 1,000 or, or, or you know maximize the number of people getting stuck in the arm is definitely the goal. I mean, that's, that's what we need to do. I mean, for Derek, I mean, for nine months we talked about vaccines coming, vaccines coming, vaccines coming. If we're not maximizing the vaccine that's here, then, then we're doing something wrong. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law I both work for the state. And my brother-in-law said what people were doing, some people were doing, is is Mississippi first got the Pfizer vaccine, and then, then they got the Moderna vaccine as well. And so some people would get the Pfizer vaccine, kind of try and go back the other way and get the first shot of the Moderna oh vaccine. <laughs> exactly. So think about that, what people were doing. They were just saying, oh, I, I got to get two. Let me just go ahead and get uh, <laughs> let me get the, the number one for Pfizer and not get the number two for anybody. So Yeah, and um, I think – and please don't do that because uh, oh, the, the man, whole point is – Yeah, the, the first one, I believe, and again, I apologize. I may be a couple percent off. The first one – I think makes you about 57 to 58% efficient against the vac uh, the the virus and then the second shot puts you at the 95% number. So it's not it's not a Hey, let me get the first and the first. Well, that's not going to do you any good no. because they, there's different, for lack of a better word, drugs uh, in each shot. And so one is kind of a, hey, let me introduce it. And then the second one is the rest of it to cool. kind of, you know, get the, the cells to be able to divide the white blood cells to act correctly and to, to be able to attack the virus if you do get it. So please don't do that. Let's, let's keep them in order. Let's keep it three weeks apart. Now, I do know that Johnson & Johnson is in the th third phase of their trials for their uh, vaccine, and theirs is one shot. Correct. Theirs is a one and done. So that one, like Eminem, is Eminem going to be the uh, the <laughs> spokesperson? I mean, seriously, that should, that should be you only get one shot. That why would you not? That's perfect. Or, or, yeah, just put the song behind it That's as it. they're getting just the shot. Just one yeah. shot. Come on now. Um, but yeah, you know, they, I think they're expecting theirs hopefully in March. Okay. So you know, if, if for some reason you're still on the waiting list or you haven't got yours done yet, Johnson and Johnson may be able to do it the one time. And of course, once you get it this spring, this is more than likely going to be an annual thing like the flu shot. And so hopefully they can at some point get it down to where it's just one shot like the flu is every year. Yeah. Some some crazy people might do uh, one vaccine, one Pfizer, two Pfizer, 
one Moderna, two Moderna. No. And they, that makes him immortal. That's what happens. Like one fish, two fish. Exactly. Fish, That's fish. what I'm saying. They, they do all the stuff, and they have three different vaccines flowing through their body. So, anyway, look, great move. Move it to Lander Center. Hopefully it starts to get the numbers up vaccine-wise into the thousands a day uh, here in the county, which is a big deal. Derek, something else uh, state-related, moving out a little bit further to the state. We talked several weeks ago about the Department of Education leader. Uh, what's her name? Dr. Carrie Wright. Yeah, so she visited or she talked about some recommendations that she had to the state to the government, I guess, in the state of Mississippi, some different things. And those now have been voted on and, and kind of come to be. So tell us what about that. All right, so Mississippi State Board of Education waived the passing score requirements for high school end-of-course assessments and the third grade literacy test for this school year. This is the 2020-2021 school year. The board also voted to allow schools and districts to suspend the assignment of letter grades, which measures school and district performance for the 2020-2021 school year. Although passing requirements have them been waived, the state testing will still take place. So Dr. Kira Wright, the state superintendent of education, and other education officials have said it is important to have the data to determine the impact of the pandemic on the student learning. So they're going to take the test. You're still going to have your exams. You're still going to have your test at the end of the school year. However, and you know, you may or may not be graded for that class or whatever, but it's not going to count against you personally, and it's not going to count against the school. For the second year in the road, they're going to defer back to whatever letter grade the school ended with at the end of the 2018-2019 school year. So this will be the second year that they impose that, but they do want to, you know, last year they just waived all tests. It was brand new. You know, kids were sent home, and they just said, you know what, there's no way we can do this right now. Well, now they, you know, we've been doing virtual, we've been doing in class for a full year, and they're going to take that, and they're going to just say, okay, if it would have counted, what are we looking at? Now, I don't expect these schools – now, the, the principals may get, okay, look, sure. you were an A, now this you're This will not B be minus. publicly shared. Right. Yes. I, it's not going to be publicly shared. Not We don't know what this happened. We don't know how kids have been affected. They're going to take this, and so when they're setting up the planning for the school year next year, this will be heavily looked at. Yeah, it allows the principals, uh, the superintendents, those people to understand maybe where some things have fallen off and been affected for sure, and then they can game plan for the future. So, I mean, I think it's – like I told you, I think – six seven episodes ago when we discussed it such a trying time a trying year uh, two years really two school years have been uh, severely affected so i mean i get it it's time to take a look and see how far we've fallen off and game plan for the future like we talked about we just talked about vaccines we talked about the future we talked about some positive news coming out of the coronavirus uh, it's it's going to be with us forever it just is but if we can get a, a, a handle on it certainly from an education standpoint see what needs to be be done going forward this is it, the benchmarks they're looking for exactly benchmarks. yes and so they'll set the benchmarks and now we know now i think it's great to allow them to do that but i also think it's very smart to go ahead and take the test Number one because the kids got to get used to taking it again sure of course um, there was a whole set of third graders last year that didn't take tests this group of third graders will take it it won't count you know but now so those first kids will be in fifth grade wow. next yeah. year taking you know and so we don't know how that's affected them over the last year and a half so anyway we'll just see how it goes uh, something else Derek state related Tate Reeves Governor Tate Reeves state of Mississippi will be given the state of the state address today I don't know later on today noon or so Probably around lunchtime. Yeah, sometime around lunchtime. State of the state address. So we'll have a little bit of information on that on Friday, on our Friday show for sure. Give you guys an update on that. But the state of the state address, any information on that, Derek? Yeah, he'll address, of course, it'll be outside. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> due to the pandemic, the address will occur outdoors on the steps of the Capitol, and there'll be no audience. So basically, it's just, I mean, that's, that's kind of tough. So you're staring out over the steps, talking to nobody. I'm sure there'll be, you know, maybe camera crews or something way out there. Last time a powerful person stood on some steps, Near a capital, all hell broke loose. Yeah. So let's 
Yeah, let's, I, hopefully this is a lot calmer than that. Exactly. Uh, this will be live streamed through the public feed uh, by the Mississippi uh, Public Broadcasting System. So if you're interested in that, you can listen to it or watch it. So, uh, again, he's going to address the challenges of the past year. He's going to give a vision, of course, for the year ahead. And then a re- any new releases, any new mandates, he may also go ahead and announce uh, today also. So, again, if you're interested in that follow-up, please watch it. If not, we'll recap it for you, summarize it best we can on Friday. The most important thing to come out of the last year of Tate Reeves' public speaking occasions is the amazing sign language guy. Oh, the uh, the, the yeah, undertaker. The, yeah, the sign language undertaker. The undertaker. Yeah, the sign language undertaker is absolutely the most important thing. If he's there, ratings will go up for the I state just, of state. He, know, no, he's not there. He, he has to be. He there. has to be there. No, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely, definitely be there. there. Now I don't know if he'll be on the steps. He may be in another room just throwing up the, the, sure. the signs, having the hair nice and wet. But yeah, that guy's amazing. He <laughs> he absolutely changed. I mean, he, he's a rock star. Where at this did point. he come from? Yeah. I mean, where did this guy come from for sure? But anyway, that's kind of wraps up some things. Hernando County related uh, and definitely the state. Congratulations to Jim Matheny for serving Hernando and also for serving, having this opportunity to be a part of something so large and, and some something so um, important in the state of Mississippi. Congratulations to her. Derek, DeSoto County, we're going to turn our attention every Tuesday. Uh, we do this. The DeSoto County Museum brings us the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Be sure and visit the DeSoto County Museum right across from Area 51 Ice Cream. I say Area 51 Ice Cream because it seems like everybody in Hernando knows exactly where it is now. The new Area 51 ice cream right across the street is the DeSoto County Museum, open Tuesday through Saturday, 9 to 5. So be sure and swing by there. Some of the different amazing new exhibits that they have, exhibits that have been there for quite a while, but you seem to learn something new every time. So Rob Long, DeSoto County Museum, thank you so much for giving us this week's DeSoto County Facts of the Week. Matt, this week's fact of the week, short one, I kind of combined two short facts. So this is uh, obviously the year is 2021. We're going to go back to 1900 and 1901. So we're talking about 120 and 121 years ago. So what two things happened uh, in DeSoto County 120 years ago is 1900. You know, in 2020, we had the coronavirus epidemic. In 1900, smallpox epidemic oh, yeah. wiped DeSoto County. Hit it hard, unfortunately. Obviously, many deaths with that. And then the next year, uh, 120 years ago from now, the First free nine-month school, Randall University, opened in Hernando. First nine-month school? First nine free nine So basically the first public school yes. that enacted a nine-month, like we are right now. I mean, we go August through May. So the first nine-month free school, first public school, Randall University, opened in Hernando in 1901. Very interesting. It was called Randall University because Randall was the only one that survived the smallpox. <laughs> to start. <laughs> Let's hope that's not true. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, what, you're totally right though. 2020, 21, we're dealing with the coronavirus and those different things. Tragedy and those type things uh, have has happened and hit Hernando and DeSoto County before. And that's a prime example, 1900 smallpox uh, here in the United States of America. And then the very next year, first nine month school, first public school begins in Hernando, Mississippi. So at least for Hernando, not ever. For DeSoto County. For DeSoto County. Yeah. So very neat. Thanks again to Rob Long, DeSoto County Museum for giving us that fact of the week. Uh, like I said, People stop me every single week and say, "Man, I love the DeSoto County Facts of the Week." I had I, I like listening to it on Tuesdays and and seeing what it's going to be from you guys. So thank you to Rob and the team at DeSoto County Museum. Speaking of somebody else who's been here for a long time, Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, is a longtime Hernando resident and former alderman for the city. Lauderdale Insurance Agency is located at 11 West Commerce Street in Hernando, Mississippi. Their team has 118 years of insurance experience, and they would love for you to give them a call and try to provide you insurance for your auto, home, business, and life. Please compare their coverage, service, and price to anybody else in the county, and they will help to manage the risk of your everyday life. Please call, email, or stop by the agency 
agency and see any of the licensed team members. Their phone number is 662-429-5213. You can find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency, Inc. or visit their website, samlauderdale.net. Podcast also brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. As I say each and every week, Richard has asked me to continue to tell the UTW podcast listeners that Williams Services specializes in fencing. That's repair of fences, new fences, new gates, any type of fencing, any type of fencing, please reach out to Richard at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find him on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. North Point Christian School will offer a Preview the Point admissions open house for prospective students ages PK through 12th grade on Sunday, February 21st at 2 p.m. Come see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot by contacting Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sheeran, at 662-349-5127. Don't miss out. Reserve your spot for Sunday, February 21st at 2 p.m. and see if you and your family are ready to join the North Point family. I want to say thank you to North Point for being a, an advertiser on the UTW podcast and believing, us, uh, believing in us enough to spend their advertising dollars with us. Derek, before we move on to sports, uh, let's definitely mention the former longtime headmaster of SBEC, which is now North Point. A lot of the people our age would know it as SBEC. He was the longtime headmaster, a uh, gentleman by the name of David Manley. Yeah, we talked about two uh, at the beginning of the show that were kind of national deaths uh, that happened over the weekend. And, and one very prominent local death for Minnesota County would have been David Manley. Um, he had been there for years, I mean, probably at least a couple of decades. Um, when my son started school there at three years old, you know, he met each and every person looking at the school personally. Uh, and he was one of the big reasons why we decided to start Bo at three years old. Uh, it was a, a all-day-long, uh, 8 to 3 p.m. basically school. I mean, they got in-class learning, and then, of course, it was a daycare afterwards from 3 to 5, so that really helped us in our jobs. But also, you know, pick, choosing that, David Mann was just a really nice guy, and he was just a very ethical man, Christian man, just a, a great asset for the school for so many years. Uh, he stepped away about four or five years ago. He, he got sick uh, and was stepped away, and when that's when Jim Ferguson uh, was hired uh, to be the new superintendent of the school, the new president of the school. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. He had been battling health issues for the last four or five years, uh, but it's still very sad to hear of his passing. Yeah, I heard about it over the weekend and definitely wanted to mention that on the podcast. I have a number of fraternity brothers and, and guys that I went to college with. That uh, That's when I first started even hearing the, word, the words SBC and paying attention to the school in South Haven. So thoughts and prayers go out to his family and also the North Point Christian family. And one of his sons, uh, Nick Manley, is the, uh, the attorney for the city of South Haven. So if you do watch the alderman meetings online for the city of South Haven, when the city attorney goes up and has to explain something or gives the attorney report, that is Nick Manley and one of David's sons. Yeah, and I'm sure been involved in South Haven for, for his entire life. Mm-hmm. So definitely thoughts and prayers go out to the Manley family and the North Point Christian family uh, and their loss for 
for sure. Derek, I would assume something that, that Mr. Manley would have been very proud of is people, uh, young people signing college scholarships, opportunities to further their, their schooling. And we had that this week, this past weekend, I guess. Uh, we learned of more information. Some Lewisburg Patriots are moving on to college and going to have that paid for. Tell us about it. I want to thank Lewisburg for getting the information out and letting us know, and, and hopefully all the other schools uh, in the county uh, will do this uh, at the same way. But uh, Lewisburg does a great job kind of uh, accentuating what you know their, what their student athletes are doing and, wh- and where they're able to further their education and their athletic endeavors going forward. So the first we want to talk about today is uh, Scott St. Alban. Uh, he's an offensive lineman from Lewisburg. Uh, he has committed and will sign, of course, on signing day, the first Wednesday in February, with East Mississippi Community College. So he's going to Scuba, Mississippi. Some of y'all might know it as last chance to you, but this will actually be his first chance. He's going from high school to East Mississippi Community College. So great school, great program. Uh, you know, won several uh, junior college championships, so I'm sure he'll help them out in that. So I want to just say congratulations to Scott. Next one, uh, the Lewisburg Tennis. A Lewisburg Tennis, a player named Reagan Salter. Uh, she has signed a tennis scholarship with Jones Community College, JCC. She will join the Lady Bobcats team this fall and, again, you know, help another DeSoto County uh, really show them what we can do up here. So congratulations, Reagan. Uh, we want to say congratulations to you. And then the last one is Rhett Gullett. Rhett Gullett has signed a golf scholarship to Itawamba Community College. Uh, we've had somebody else here recently who has signed with Itawamba Community College in the county. Well, he'll be representing DeSoto County on their golf team uh, starting next fall. And, uh, again, want to thank Lewisburg for keeping us updated, and congratulations to all three of y'all on signing your scholarships. Absolutely, Derek. We say it each and every week whenever we're announcing a signing, uh, no matter the sport, no matter the situation. Congratulations to these young people for letting someone else pay for their college, for sure. Uh, use your talents to uh, to do that, no doubt about it. Derek, something else going on in DeSoto County when it comes to football, comes to athletics, kind of a surprise. Uh, you've got some information on the Olive Branch head football coach has resigned. Tell us about that. Darren Bowen stepped away, the head football coach he was at Olive Branch for one year led them to a five and five record I think if I remember right they started off four and oh they started off four and oh this past season uh it really had it going and then uh unfortunately ended the year one and five and so did not make the playoffs again this is not something the school forced him to do this is not something the, the boosters were complaining about he just decided on his own that didn't seem like him it was a good fit uh that he was going to step away he will remain the athletic director through the rest of the year uh and then until unless somebody else is found uh, then he will, you know, he will uh, serve out his contract uh, on the athletic director side, uh, and then see kind of see what the future holds for him. So again, you know, it's a personal decision. I give him credit for understanding. Hey, this is may not be the best fit for me. Maybe my offense is not working, or maybe you know something the players aren't responding to me in, in the way that I'd like them to. Again, nobody's fault. Sure. Uh, and so, I, but he has decided to do that. It's tough for Olive Branch though because they will now be on their sixth coach in eight years. Wow. Um, they have not. I uh, think one coach maybe stayed for two or three years, and then every other their coach has been changed after a year so uh since 2013 been so really tough for those kids you know you as a senior you may have had three coaches uh, and that makes it really tough on on continuity really tough on getting things going and so uh you know i thought that coach bowling did a great job to start the season they had some injuries obviously people start watching film maybe kind of figure a couple things that you're doing that doesn't you know that doesn't help either but good for him uh for understanding that and uh let's you know hopefully olive branch can find somebody to replace him be able to get back to where they think they should be uh in the district standings you know when you and I first moved to Soda County, Derek, almost 20 years ago. Olive Branch was right oh, up there. Olive a, it was Olive Branch and South Panola every year. That's it. 
was a thing. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I hope that things can kind of get going in the right direction and they can get some consistency over there and, and hopefully get a coach that will be there for quite a while and Olive Branch get back to that power that they once were about 15 or 20 years ago. So, I mean, them being strong, I mean, we want all the teams. We Absolutely. Want, I mean, we want, all, we want the semifinals of North State to be four, you know, sure. DeSoto County teams. Of course. I mean, that's, that's not – so we don't want Oxford in there. We don't want Starville in there. We want four DeSoto County teams. And I think Isle Branch, getting back to where they were, just helped get us there. You know, Coach Bowling, after this season, after he finishes the year, he may be looking to take a vacation. And if he's looking for some help with that vacation, he can reach out to Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. These ladies work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach them at 662-469-6304, 662-469-6304, or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, the podcast is brought to you by DeSoto Family Dental Care. With over 60 years of combined dental experience, Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. With an in-house lab, your dentist will be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. Visit their office today to see the difference or call them at 662-429-5239. That's 662-429-5239 to see how DeSoto Family Dental Care can serve you. So we went from uh, American football. Now let's turn to what the rest of the world calls football. Uh, we you know, we have not really covered soccer this year. You know it's been tough. We we chose football. We picked up girls volleyball at the end. We're doing girls and boys basketball for the winter season, and of course in the spring we'll have softball and baseball. So we're trying to you know pick a sport and usually a coinciding sport before the boys and the girls. Uh, and so we did not we passed over soccer this year. Hopefully in the future we will cover some soccer. Uh, but we do not want, we'd be remiss if we did not tell you about the soccer playoffs. Sure. Uh, there were some teams uh, from Minnesota County that made the playoffs that start tonight. There's one hosting, excuse me, two hosting and two on the road. Of in the boys 6A, boys 6A South Haven is hosting Germantown, Mississippi. Now this is Germantown High School uh, out of Madison, Mississippi. And so they will be coming up here to South Haven tonight to play. Uh, could not find a time for the game. The times are usually somewhere between 5 and 7 p.m. to start. Did not have a time for the South Haven game, but it will be tonight. Uh, and the other one for 6A boys is Lewisburg traveling to Clinton. Uh, so Lewisburg, Clinton, Mississippi, strong, strong soccer program for years. Uh, Lewisburg, who finished second uh, in the district, will be traveling to Clinton, 7 p.m., uh, tonight uh, in Clinton. Yeah, and I had the opportunity to uh, call some games, uh, announce some games for the Hernando High School boys. So I did get a chance to see South Haven, different teams. Uh, really good soccer in DeSoto County this year. Hernando did not, boys did not make the playoffs. But, again, really good soccer being played in DeSoto County. And we wish the South Haven and Lewisburg boys all the success. Tough for Lewisburg. Got to travel to Clinton. Clinton's a perennial top school, one of the top schools in the state of Mississippi and has been for probably 30 years. So good luck to the Patriots and the Charger boys. All right, then on the boys' side, the last one on the boys' side in 5A, Neshoba Central is coming to Center Hill, playing the Mustangs. That is a 5 p.m. game, so that will be here tonight. 
uh, in DeSoto County, over there in the east part of the county in Isle Branch at 5 p.m. Now, the Mustangs got a strong team. Uh, we know they won district. They were undefeated, outscored their district opponents 23-2. to So that's going to be a tough. We're not, we're not doing the mascots in, like we did for no. football. We're not making picks. Uh, but I feel pretty good about this, uh, Center Hill moving on to the next moving round. On, yeah. Uh, of the 5A playoffs. Now, on the girls' side, we had one team. One team in the county from the girls' side made the playoffs, Hernando. There you go. Under the water tower, Tigers are heading to Germantown, Mississippi. Okay. One down to Madison, uh, playing Germantown High School. That game is at 530 tonight on the road. So, again, that's a tough what, two-and-a-half-hour drive. Sure. So, it's a, it's, it's a little ways. Good luck to them representing the only girls, only 5A girls, or yeah. 6A uh, soccer team we have left are Hernando. So, Tigers, come on, let's pull through, get to the next round. Yeah, and again, I had the opportunity to play the music and do the announcing for those young ladies. So I had the opportunity to you know say their names kind of over and over. Just seemed like a nice group of kids. The coaches worked really hard, and, and congratulations to Hernando for for getting this far. Congratulations to them, and let's see if we can maybe beat Germantown and, and move move on. So congratulations to the Lady Tigers right here under the water tower for a successful soccer season. Turning to basketball now. Basketball, we've got three days to cover. Now, if you're not into basketball, I hope you stick around and listen. But this is not going to take too long because Thursday night there were only three games and then on Saturday there was only one game so it's three days most of the action taking place on Friday uh, we'll start with Thursday night so we'll update the records as we talk about it on Thursday night there were two boys games in, in the county Hernando played Oxford Hernando won Hernando boys won 66 to 64 led by Josh Williams with 17 points and Carl Malone with 16 points not the mailman this is another Carl Malone right. Hernando boys now eight and twelve one and two in district. So that was a their first district win. Yes. Eight and twelve, one and two in district. And this was uh, took place again on Thursday night. Uh, the other game for the boys uh, on Thursday night, Lewisburg against Olive Branch. For the first time in their history, Lewisburg defeated Olive Branch in ba- the boys basketball, led by Max Zisman with twenty six points and seven rebounds. Wow. Eli Lamb had fifteen points and five rebounds. Hayden Drumright had fourteen points. And Logan Coker had 13 points, six rebounds, and five steals. Again, the first win over Olive Branch ever. That raises Lewisburg's record to 12 and 10, two and one in district. Olive Branch falls to eight and nine, two and one in district. Now that was on Thursday night. They played again Friday night, which we'll get to in just a second. Played again, same teams or different same, teams? No, same team. Same teams again. So, oh, they wow. ta- so this was a makeup game okay. on Thursday. Okay. So it was back to back for Lewisburg Olive Branch, back to back Thursday, Friday. Didn't have to travel very far. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, and then the only girls game on Thursday night, Hernando. This was uh, Winter Court, I believe, Winterfest. Yes. Uh, this was Hernando against Oxford, in Hernando, obviously for the home, uh, the Winter Homecoming. Hernando won 62 to 48, led by Abby Harrison with 26 points and Victoria Walton with 17 points. Uh, you know, her was a great night. Beautiful ladies out there for the Winter Court. For the Winter Court, uh, again, congratulations to all those young ladies who were nominated. For the young lady who won, uh, that raises the Hernando record to 17 and four. 3-0 in district. Very strong basketball very team strong, here in Hernando. With Abby leading the way, they're doing a really good job. 17-4. and four. Derek, real quick before we turn the page, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, you and I both know her, she met a friend of hers from Oxford over at Hernando High School to watch her son play JV basketball. And the lady coming from Oxford saw cheerleaders, dancers, stuff like that, and was blown away because they've already turned in all their dance uniforms in Oxford. Yeah. They're not allowing cheerleaders, dancers, anything like Oxford. So, Derek, you and I continue to joke around about players, cheerleaders, dancers, parents. Be thankful for DeSoto County. We are making – you know, we're trying. We're trying. We're doing well, what we leadership's doing a good job. They're Absolutely. watching it. That's we, it. We have cases. That's it. Uh, you know, we know that it sometimes spikes up. But these these kids are, you know, as normal as it can be. That's what I'm saying. DeSoto yeah. County leadership's doing a good job. Yeah, so the, she was blown away that we were dancing. 
dancing and having cheerleaders and stuff like that. She just couldn't believe it down in Oxford. They're not doing that. So again, thanks to the superintendents and Corey Usselton and those principals for continuing to make the effort and man, just giving our kids as close to a normal experience as we can. We definitely want to send out a shout out to them and a thank you for that. What happened on Friday night? All right. So on Friday night, again, Lewisburg had upset Olive Branch 73-67 for their first win uh, in program history uh, over Olive Branch. Olive Branch comes back the next night and gets revenge. Oh man. Olive Branch on Friday night, uh, 65, Lewisburg 51. Olive Branch was, you know, looking from the, basically left from the opening tip the whole game. Right. So they, they you know, kind of maybe had to take the foot off the gas pedal the night before, not this time. Terry Joyner led the Conquistadors with 26 points. Jalen Tyler had 17 points. Josh Ingham with 12. And for Lewisburg, Eli Lamb led with 23 of the 51 points. We just talked about their records. So that brings Olive Branch back to 500. They're 9-9 overall, 3-1 and in district. Lewisburg falls to 12-11 and and back to 500, 2-2 in district. Do they play again this week? <laughs> <laughs> now, I think the Tuesday game, right. I think they, they're playing different people this week. Right. All right, moving on. Uh, Center Hill. Center Hill, remember the hottest team on the boys' side. Absolutely. Uh, with, they are now – Nine straight victories. They now have nine straight victories. They won seventy-eight to forty-eight over uh, Lafayette Commodores uh, out of Oxford. Zandon Harrelson led the way with twenty-three points. Caden Laws had fifteen points, and P. Newsom had thirteen points. Uh, again, this is their ninth straight victory for the Mustangs. They are now sixteen and eight, four and zero in District One. Wow, five A. Solid. So, solid basketball team. Really looking good. You know, looks like they're going well on the way to making the playoffs. So, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Next game, staying in 5A, Lake Cormorant. Lake Cormorant played Sotillo. Lake Cormorant won 51-40, to led by Donovan Sanders with 16 points and KB Brooks with 14 points. Their next game, tonight, Center Hill. Lake Cormorant playing Center Hill. Uh, Lake Cormorant now 12-6, and 2-2. Two and, two. and as we said, Center Hill coming in with a record of 16-8. and eight. Four and zero. The only two five and zero. The only two five A schools in Desoto County. Uh, this could be a heck of a game tonight. I can't wait to pay attention to that and maybe check Twitter tonight and make sure to see what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it tonight and we'll have it again. Uh, we'll report back to y'all on Friday. Yes. Next game, uh, Friday night, South Haven against Horn Lake. South Haven eighty three, Horn Lake sixty six. Now South Haven, hard to get information. Yeah. Uh, they don't do a lot of tweeting. Uh, <laughs> they are they are not reaching out to us on under the water tower info at gmail Quietly four and four. Okay. 14 and 4. Excuse 14 me. Quietly and four. 14 and 4. Boys. Boys, Boys. 3 and 0 oh in conference. Uh, again, so we know um, that. So we, we want to talk more about them, but they won't tell us. Well, we won't talk more. But I mean, <laughs> when you got a 3 and an undefeated you know, district sure. team. Yeah. 14 and 4. Uh, 14 and 4 overall. And that's a strong team just kind of hanging out there. So obviously, I guess the strongest 6 uh, 18 uh, right now, record wise, right. in the county. Uh, they did defeat Horn Lake, as I said, 88 83 to 66. Horn Lake falls to 7 and 5, 1 and 2. And the last game uh, on the boys' 6 8 side on Friday night, Tupelo 68, DeSoto Central 45. DeSoto Central falls to 12 and 9, 1 and 3 in conference. Yeah, 1 and 3 in district. They're, they're starting to struggle a bit. Uh, Tupelo looks like a really strong team. I uh, just kind of blew them out there. So I uh, look for Tupelo to be heavily involved in the north side uh, of the, the state playoffs. So now turn to the girls Friday night. Girls on Friday night, we'll start well with Olive Branch and Lewisburg on the boys' side. We'll do the same for the girls' side. Your number one ranked Olive Branch girls yes. basketball team. They're now ranked number yeah, one number after one, defeating yes. Meridian. They went from number three to number one. They defeated Lewisburg 76 to 27. That's 76 to 27. 76 to 27. They, they, they tripled them. Wow. Yeah. Led by Raymond Piggies with 22, Addison Howell with 20, Brenda Eason with 10, and Amaya Black with 10. Uh, Lewisburg uh, was led by Reagan Salter with seven points. Olive Branch now 14-1, 3-1 overall. Remember, their only loss is to Tupelo. Lewisburg falls to 10-12, 0-5. Yeah, not starting district off very well. 
<laughs> no, Lewis Bargain, rebuilding year. Yes, Emily Cormont girls rebuilding year. Uh, next game, Center Hill. Center Hill, also, uh, the girls also beat Lafayette, 52 to 50. 52 to 50. Close game, led by Kylie Prentice with 17 points. Uh, really excited about the win. Coaches were very excited about this win. Uh, that raised their record to now 10 and 15, but more importantly, 2 and 2 in district. There you go. Now 500 in district. So it was a good district win for Center Hill uh, going into uh, this week against Lake Cormorant tonight. Next game, Sotillo versus Lake Cormorant. Sotillo won 34 28. 34 28 is the total score for a girls' basketball game. That's the, that's the, that's the total a, score for a girls' first basketball half, game. But the whole game. Now, look, this is Lake Cormorant. They've struggled this year. Losing by six. There you go. Coach yes. liked the improvement. Yes. yes. Melissa Liddell led with 19 of the 28 points. So, sure. I mean, she had all but nine of the points. Uh, Coach Neely really were proud of the team again. They continue to make improvements. They fall to three and fourteen, zero and five in district. Three and fourteen, zero and five in district. Derek, we we kind of set a little bit of a rule, and uh, you continue to sneak <laughs> the Lake Comer. Okay. I, I got you. They're going to get a district. They're, they're going to get a district. We'll get, keep cheering for them. Yeah, yeah. Lady Pop, Gators. Now the play Center Hill again tonight. Oh, that's not going to be us. Uh, no, that's the boys at our. So that's the boys. That's that's right, right. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll keep up with Twitter tonight and watch it. Uh, next girls game: Horn Lake at South Haven. Again, usually the girls play the same as the guys do. Horn Lake forty-nine, South Haven thirty-two. Horn Lake now eight and three, two and one overall in district. South Haven falls to eight and eleven, two and three overall in district. And the last game for Friday night for the girls: Tupelo sixty-three, DeSoto Central forty-eight. DeSoto Central the exact same record of the boys. They're both twelve and nine now. Both fall to one and three in district. All right, finally for basketball, the last we had one game on Saturday. If you if you noticed, there was no North Point talk in either of those days. The North Point girls did not play. The North Point boys did, but they did not play till Saturday. Heartbreaking double overtime loss to Lausanne, fifty-eight to fifty-one. Darius Naylor led the way with fifteen points for the Trojans. Mitchell Wright had thirteen points, and Eric Stewart had twelve points. North Point now falls to eight and six. One and two in district. So just a tough, tough loss on the road at Lausanne. Why no North Point girls last Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Maybe COVID-related. COVID-related, okay. Uh, They did have one earlier last Tuesday that we reported on, but nothing for the end of the week. Okay, I was kind of wondering about that. Well, look, again, we'll say it each and every Tuesday and Friday whenever we wrap up basketball. Be happy you're playing basketball. Like I just said, down in Oxford, the the mom that my friend uh, had a chance to visit with uh, was just blown away by cheerleaders, and she hadn't seen them uh, since football, really. So be happy that we're playing basketball. Thank you to the administrators, the principals the coaches continue to figure out ways to make it happen and and again i know derek I'll, I'll update you on the middle school boys i know we've talked about the uh hernando middle school seventh and eighth grade boys i'll keep you posted on that coming up on the show some people are asking me about that we'll definitely want to want to do that as we've mentioned a few times if you'd like to reach out to us email us at under the water tower info at gmail.com that's under the water tower info at gmail.com find us on facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. UTW Podcast on Instagram at UTW Podcast. And on Twitter at UTW Pod. Very simple. The letter U, the letter T, the letter W, Pod, P-O-D, on Twitter. Most importantly, let every, all your friends and family know about our show. Share it with everyone you can. If you if we have something that you enjoy hearing uh, on Tuesdays and Fridays, or if you hear your name or your granddaughter's name or uncle's name or anything like that, please let them know about our show so we can continue to grow and work with our advertisers. But most importantly, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Simply hit subscribe so you will know on Tuesdays and Fridays Fridays. In the next several weeks, we'll start to have Wednesday shows. Some special two weeks. Wednesday, in two weeks, two weeks from we'll start our special Wednesday shows, which is going to be all about the election in Hernando. So that's coming up. So be sure and know when we update our stuff by hitting subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.
Vater 